the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, June the 29th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On June 29, 1613, London's original Globe Theater, where many of Shakespeare's plays were performed, it was destroyed by a fire sparked by a cannon shot during a performance of Henry VIII. I think, I think the first Shakespeare show, I may be wrong on this, but I think the first Shakespeare show that was played in that theater was very famous, uh, was in 1599. I think it was Julius Caesar. I'm not sure, but you could, I'm sure someone will check me out on that. Today in 1767, Britain approved the Townsend Revenue Act, which imposed important duties on import duties on glass, paint, oil, lead, paper, and tea shipped to the American colonies. Colonists bitterly protested, prompting Parliament to repeal the duties, except for tea. And that led to the Tea Party. Today in 1776, the Virginia State Constitution was adopted. Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death, Patrick Henry, was made governor. Today in 1927, the first Trans-Pacific airplane flight was completed by U.S. Army Air Corps pilots, a couple of them. The flight took 25 hours and 50 minutes to fly from Oakland, California to Hawaii. I've flown across the Pacific many times in a jet in missionary work. And some of those flights felt like they took 25 hours and 50 minutes, but they didn't. I think it's nine hours or something like that from San Francisco to Tokyo. Today, in 1946, authorities in British-ruled Palestine arrested more than 2,700 Jews in an attempt to stamp out extremists. Today, in 1967, Jerusalem was reunified as Israel. They removed the barricade separating the old city from the Israeli sector. Cairo 7 TV News in Seattle has a story out there this morning and uh, last night as well. They put it out last night. It's in the news this morning. Kirkland, Washington. For those of you who do not live in the Northwest, Kirkland is where Costco started, thus the Kirkland brand that you see all over their building. Kirkland's across Lake Washington from Seattle right next to Bellevue. Kirkland police are looking for an SUV that they say vandalized the city's pride flag crosswalk. The vandalism appeared Sunday night, just before midnight at the entrance of the Marina Park at Kirkland Avenue and Lakeshore Plaza. They say a white 2010-2012 Toyota Sequoia has, was seen doing a burnout, that's spinning their tires and making black marks, doing a burnout on the crosswalk. The city says the crosswalk was introduced to the community earlier this month. At least two people were inside that car, and police are on alert looking for them. If you have any information, you're asked to contact Sergeant 
Cody Mann personally. Now, I know that Sergeant Cody Mann is probably doing what his superiors told him to do. But it seems odd to me, in fact, beyond odd. Day before yesterday on this program, when I went through the history, things that happened in history, as we just did this morning, we do that every day to give us a perspective of things that happened and what day they happened on and so on. Day before yesterday... On Tuesday, June the 27th, I said, 2006, a constitutional amendment to ban the desecration of the American flag died in a Senate cliffhanger, falling one vote short of the 67 needed to send it to states for ratification. So when we put this in perspective, it seems that we can burn and desecrate the U.S. flag legally, but you can't touch the LGBTQIA plus blah, blah, blah flag. Something's very, very wrong with that. I'm not suggesting desecrating any flag. But I'm asking, how in the world did we get to this point? Where the police are on high alert looking for you if you burned your tires on a flag painted on a crosswalk in Kirkland, Washington but we can burn the U.S. flag and stomp on it and paint it and rip it and do whatever we want to it because we have that constitutional right. That's why there's unrest in America today. That's why people are not satisfied with a lot of things and the way they're going. And I think some people on the left are, are, are approaching a time when they're going to get the shock of their life. The Barack Obama's, and others of the leaders of the left. Rasmussen put out a report again this morning. They put out regular reports. I like them because their reports are pretty accurate. And, and they're, they don't lean left like most polling organizations do in the way they ask their questions. They ask them honestly. Most voters, they said, are worried that next year's presidential election could be affected by cheating. Nearly half agree with a popular song out there. There's a song on the charts now that, that's challenging the legitimacy of Joe Biden's election in 2024. It's driving the left crazy, but it's it's a hit. I think it was number one here recently on the pop chart. That's what they're referring to. But they, the latest report, they say, finds their report finds that 60, this was put out last night, finds that 66% of likely U.S. voters are concerned that the outcome of the 2024 presidential election will be affected by cheating. 40% of that 66% are very concerned. 32% aren't concerned at all, and 15% of them aren't concerned at all. That's where we are today. There's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of chaos in our culture. But there is a guiding light in all of this. Of course, it is the person of Jesus Christ. And it is the word of the Lord, the word of God, the Bible, that will never, God's words, will never pass away. So we have that security. We have that sense of stability, even in very troubled times. 
times when things that should be up are down and things that should be down are up. We live in a very screwed up society and culture. But God is in control. He is there. He is faithful. The psalmist wrote, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built upon forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. God is faithful, and he will be faithful to each and every one of us. We must stand firm and stand true in God's truth, not somebody else's truth. As we walk through this perilous time in the history of our country and our culture. I want to take a moment today, a very brief moment, to uh, let you know, we, we, um, I don't talk much about our budget on this program. Uh, I, I, you'll notice some days we never mention it. Unlike some other Christian programs that spend a good part of the time they're on the air raising money, because it is expensive to do this. Uh, relative, if you're on a thousand stations or on 10 radio stations, it's all relative to your budget, but it's expensive. And this last month, June, and we're, <clears throat> we're just con- kind of concluding the month of June, we're running several thousand dollars behind on our budget. So I would encourage you to prayerfully consider if you can help us, it would be much appreciated. If not, don't worry about it. Somebody will feel led and they'll stand with us because I believe that we're doing what the Lord has called me to do. And I, um, it's in his hands and we just keep walking and keep talking and doing what God has called us to do. So if you could help us with that, it would be much appreciated. And to all of you who stand with us every month, and don't forget to write your check, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate more than more than I can say your faithfulness and your standing with us, your prayer and your comments, and your financial support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You can also contribute online on our website. You can go there and there's a tab that says donate. and It's it's easy. And a lot of people are doing that. You can go to our website, Faith and Freedom, A-N-D Freedom, faithandfreedom.us, not .com, but .us, like the United States, .us. Thank you so much. And uh, I know we'll be hearing from you and we'll take care of this matter. Your commitment and your comments are much encouraging. I read them all, every one of them. Have you ever wondered how can biblical Christians vote for Democrats? I know even saying that out loud just is going to raise the ire of some people. And I'm not doing it to upset people, but I am asking that question because it needs to be asked. How does that work? Ali Beth Stuckey, who she hosts a Christian uh, podcast, is called Relatable, and she oversees the conservative millennial blog, and she's very conservative, and she's a committed Christian. She created a firestorm the other day when she questioned whether someone could be a biblical Christian and support the Democratic Party, which advocates for abortion access, among other anti-biblical beliefs. She was just saying, 
uh, posting, and she has quite a following. She's not one of the biggest, most followed, but she has a pretty strong following. And so she was just asking the question, how does that work? How does how do Christians justify um, voting for Democrats and the left in general and their agenda? And that caught my attention because I've asked that question myself, and I've asked it on this program before. I want to pause, put the politics aside for a moment, and just ask ourselves that same question today. How does that work? I mean, what is the process of voting for, say, a Hillary Clinton or a Dr. Biden, (laughs) her husband? On the anniversary of the U.S. Supreme Court's Dobbs versus Jackson, Women's Health Organization decision determining that the U.S. Constitution doesn't contain a right to abortion. She commented on that. And she commented on a a post that was put on Twitter by former President Barack Obama. Here's what Obama said just last week, just on the year anniversary of Roe v. Wade being taken down, basically, and abolished. Obama said this, and she quoted him. Obama said, it's been a year since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Since then, 14 states have banned most abortions, leaving millions of women and girls with nowhere to turn for the care they need. And yet, there are reasons for hope, Obama said. Well, there are. I just read the reason for hope. That's not where he's going with this. I continue to quote Barack Obama. After Roe v. Wade was overturned, voters in Michigan, California, and Vermont helped enshrine abortion rights in their state constitutions. Governors in the states like Nevada, Hawaii, uh, Pennsylvania have signed executive orders to protect abortion access. About 36 million people read his comments. He continued, Now it's time to join the activists who have been leading this work for years and do even more. He said that means volunteering in your community. It means supporting organizations like PPFA, that's Planned Parenthood, Federation of America, the face of evil. Uh, He said USO Women and your local abortion fund that's doing great work. It means voting in every single election, especially local ones where you can have an even bigger impact. It's the best way to turn a setback into far more lasting progress. So let's keep working says Mr. Obama, who also says he's a committed Christian. Former President Obama is an influential figure in the Democratic Party. He's also undoubtedly a representative of the party's leadership and its worldview. In fact, some believe, I may be among that some, some believe that he's running the party behind the scenes right now. Somebody surely is. The president is not. He doesn't have that capability. I mean, let's be honest. But here, Obama's expressing gratitude that the voters of Michigan, California, and Vermont helped enshrine abortion rights in their state constitutions. While governors in states like Nevada, uh, Hawaii, Pennsylvania have signed executive orders to protect abortion access. He described the developments in these states as reasons to hope. Well, he was lamenting this 2022 Dobbs decision, which reversed Roe v. Wade nationwide. Obama argued that the decision left millions of women and girls with nowhere to turn for their care that they need. 
he leaves no room for life over abortion. Stuckey sent out a tweet of her own in response to Obama's comments. Here's what she said, and this is what lit the fire. Stuckey said, <clears throat> she said, evil man, evil ideology, evil party. Christians have no excuse to ever support these people. There is no both sides argument. That's straight talk. I agree with her. There is no <laughs> both sides on these issues of human sexuality and gender and abortion, murder. There just isn't. This Justin uh, Gaboni, he's president of AND Campaign. It's a leftist Christian, so-called Christian organization. He urges Christian civil engagement to bring the quote, conviction of the gospel in the public square. He, it sounds like evangelism, but when you just peel back the first layer, you find he's very leftist in his views, like Jim Wallace and others. He issued this statement criticizing Stuckey's analysis. He said, in other words, he was on Twitter. He said, in other words, we got abortion partially right, so you must agree with us on everything, even when our leaders show a lack of concern for the lives of immigrants, black men killed by authorities, pregnant black women, the uninsured poor, and create laws to make it harder to vote. <laughs> he continued, quote, I voted for both parties. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think he's voted <laughs> much for, for Republicans or others than Democrats. But anyway, he said, I have plenty of criticisms of Democrats, including abortion and immigration. Here's what the religious left always do. They always say, Obama doesn't say this, but most of them do. They'll say, well, I don't disagree, and I'm not really for abortion. Then they go out and they cast their sacred vote for the people who are advancing this and giving their lives and their fortunes to advance these evil acts, like abortion, and now transgender treatments or whatever. People only feel good saying things like this when they lack a relationship with Christians from other traditions, he says. Is Christianity eclectic? Do we choose which truths we embrace and which we rip from the Bible and toss in the trash can? That's what we're doing in America now. Do we decide what parts of the Bible are inspired and inerrant and which are not because we don't agree with them? Are we now God? Are we testing God's work to see if he gets an A or a B or a C? I'm just asking. The Christian left has indeed chosen to craft God's word in a way that affirms their chosen behavior in both the sanctity of life and human sexuality. The Apostle Paul, he saw that in his day. He said that's called having a form of godliness but denying its power. And that's exactly what these folks do. They reduce Christianity to some kind of a ritual. While claiming Christian and Christianity... They reduce it to a philosophy that can be changed and can be evolving as they evolve. And then they commit themselves to the evil works of abortion, killing unwanted, unborn children. Does God, does God smile on that? No. Thou shalt not murder. And then they try to make these cockamamie ideas about when does life begin? Well, it begins when they take their first breath. 
Life begins at conception. God says, I knew you in your mother's womb. Can biblical Christians vote for this? Can they vote for Democrats given secular humanist worldview? This isn't political. I'm not even speaking politically. I'm speaking spiritually. When you visit the homepage of the Christian Left's website, you're met with this in all capital letters. The Christian Left welcomes you. You can go to it. You can Google it and go to it. It's a Christian Left website. Welcome. Are you a Christian and a liberal? We've been searching for you for 14 years. It's longer than that now because they wrote this a while back. But it's, it's up. It's active. If you're like many others like us, you've probably felt alone out there. You've probably been told you can't be a Christian and a liberal. You've probably been ostracized by churches and conservative Christian friends and family. You've probably doubted your own viewpoint at times. You're in the right place. Conservative Christians have turned their back on one of the central tenets of the Bible, the tenets that Jesus said was the sum of the law and all the prophets, to love God and love your neighbor as you do yourself. Who is our neighbor? Jesus taught us it was a stranger. Actually, he taught us it was the stranger, but a stranger, they say, of a foreign belief system. Well, it was really about a for, of a former of a national nationality other than where the stranger was. So they're already edging away from truth here. But anyway, I digress. A stranger of a foreign belief system who stopped to help another stranger beat up and left dead on the roadside while religious types passed him by. So he's gone from the stranger be, as the immigrant, the migrant, to the stranger helping the person along the road, the Samaritan. The Bible is full of instructions, they say, that is teaching. This teaching isn't just for individuals. They make the case now that this teaching is for is universal teaching. It applies to individuals, governments, and businesses. Welcome home. You have found your tribe. Conservative Christians are wrong. You've been right about Jesus all along. We also welcome anyone who wants to be here. We have many, many friends who support our message of taking care of our brothers and sisters in this world, all of them. We are the Christian left. We're all around you. We're among the people. Take a look. We're part of the body of Christ. We're Christians. We're liberal. We make no apologies. In fact, Jesus' ways are liberal. Jesus was a liberal. That's why he was killed. That should stop any Christian in cold blood. Jesus was not killed because he was a liberal. Jesus was killed because God became flesh and dwelt upon this earth and laid his life down on a cross because you are a sinner and so am I and we need salvation. And the left is so confused on that, it is pathetic. It probably makes God vomit. And they're pushing this, and people are buying into it. Christians in evangelical churches. That's what's wrong in America today. We've lost our guiding light. We're listening to people like this. That's wrong. That's why he was killed, because he was a liberal. 
As soon as the temple incident happened and Jesus meddled in the business, they say, of the money changers, a target was placed on his back. Don't they know that God had formed this plan before the foundations of the earth? Some of them know it, I'm sure, but they ignore it because it doesn't fit their narrative. And that's the problem. The Christian left says we're not about dogma, we're just Christians who think the political and Christian right wing have their priorities wrong. Well, they have their theology wrong. Jesus never said a word about homosexuality in all his teachings about multiple things, they say. He never said that gay people should be condemned. They're quoting Jimmy Carter. Progressive Christianity is the movement that's infiltrating and it's influencing the evangelical church. It's causing churches to split. Some of the most high-profile Christian leaders are a part of it. The movement seeks to reinterpret the Bible, reassess historical doctrines, and redefine the core tenets of faith. While claiming the title Christian and boasting a high view of the Bible, it is sweeping up many unsuspecting Christians into a false view of who God is and how he saves people. And then they go to the ballot box and they put their vote in and they vote for more of this. This is the most destructive thing that's happening in America today. It isn't the stupid politicians that we're electing, although we are. It's beyond that. It's a spiritual matter. This is sweeping across some of, some of the churches in America. But it can be very difficult to spot. It's not like progressive Christians typically introduce themselves like, Hi, I'm your friendly neighborhood progressive Christian, and I'm here to preach a different gospel. But that's exactly what they're doing. The slow slide into progressive Christianity is so subtle that it's almost imperceptible unless you know some of the basics. And we need to know the basics. I don't have time today to go through all of them, but I think I'll take a a part of a program, maybe all of a program soon, and go through these. But progressive Christianity is a movement that's infiltrating and influencing the evangelical church. There's denials, the atonement. Often progressive Christians will refer to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as horrific or unnecessary, or as I just read from their website. He was killed because he was liberal. The idea that God the Father would require the blood sacrifice of his son is perceived to be an indictment on God's character, turning him into a divine abuser of some kind, sending his son so that he could be killed, and it should never have happened. It's horrible. Of course it should have happened. That's God's plan. And God is God. They're way off on original sin. The doctrine of original sin is loudly rejected in progressive Christianity with the idea of original blessing in its place. That is fundamentally wrong. That isn't what God's word teaches. Progressive Christians don't typically deny that sin exists or that it's a bad thing, but they often deny the idea that some sort of sin nature has been passed down to all human beings. They skip over the part that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Instead, progressive Christians often teach that sin isn't what separates us from God, but it is our own self-imposed shame. And on and on it goes. 
we'll get to that one of these days on this program. So um, thank you so much for being with me today. It's always a pleasure, and thanks for your help financially to get us caught up. I believe we will be, and things will be taken care of. So thank you so much. Have a great day. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.